So today is a day of victory. Today is a day of celebration. Even though it's raining this morning, even though it's a bit cold, uh, even though we probably have not seen an Easter like today, uh, probably ever, if not at least since the last world wars. But I'm super glad that today we do get to celebrate. We probably won't celebrate in uh, cathedrals, we won't celebrate in churches, we won't celebrate in stadiums, we won't have great big street parties, but in hospitals and homes, celebrations, celebrations of victory go on. And I'm really glad that there is victory to celebrate right now. Certainly if you're a sports fan, there's not a lot to celebrate, which is good news. Certainly there aren't any victories, whether um, you are a Dodgers fan, whether you are a Lakers fan, whether you are a Rams fan, or even whether you are a fan of the best sporting team without any question in the world and no bias intended, Liverpool Football Club of the Premier League, then there's not a lot to celebrate. And you might think, well, amongst all that, should we cancel Easter? Should we cancel the celebrations? Is it kind of in bad taste to celebrate when so much darkness seems to be around our world right now? I have to say that I am so glad that we are not canceling Easter. I'm so glad that billions of people around the world today will make their own Easter celebrations, virtually or in their homes, around mealtimes, because today they are going to celebrate hope. Not vague hope, not wishful thinking that things are going to get better, but real concrete hope. Concrete hope for now and concrete hope for all eternity. I think this year we need the Easter story probably more than we have ever needed it before. And so today I want to speak about three things relatively quickly about what the Easter story does in this time in our lives. I want to talk about hope for eternity. I want to talk about hope for life now. And I want to talk about how we make sense of this coronavirus that we're all facing around the world. And so we pray with me. Father, thank you that you know us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're with us. And thank you for the Easter story. As we just explored a little this morning together, I pray that you would help us uh, to have our eyes opened anew to the wonder, to the majesty, to the incredibleness of what you did for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that I want to talk about is hope for eternity. I wonder if you ever take time in the stillness to think about heaven. To be honest, if you're like me, getting through any given day or any given week is enough. Uh, We haven't been doing social isolation in our homes, although after three weeks of homeschooling, I'm just about ready to uh, introduce that to my own house. Life can be really busy, but maybe over these last weeks, you've had a moment to stop and think and ask some of the bigger questions of life. And for sure, the Easter story is uh, the answer to the biggest question we can ever ask about heaven. Some people think that the Easter story is like a really sad story. It's about the sad death of a good moral teacher. But actually, the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday tells us a whole different account. It's a reality that was attested to by 500 witnesses. And the main uh, witnesses, the first witnesses, were actually women. So if you were trying to make up a story, this is not how you would write a fairy tale. Instead, it is a gritty, real, victorious reality. It is the story of a God who conquered the power of death and made a way for us to receive eternal life or heaven as we sometimes think about it. Easter means that death doesn't have to be the end. Jesus went to mourn once at the grave of his friend Lazarus. He was there alongside Lazarus' sisters, Mary Mary and Martha. 
And as he was there weeping with them, he said these words which have gone down in history because they are so incredibly powerful. He said in John 11, Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. A little bit later on in John's gospel, John 14, Jesus says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. You see, the Easter story makes a way for us to be right with God. But I don't know what kind of God you think about when you think of God, if you ever do. Maybe you think of some grumpy old man sitting in the clouds with a really big rule book ready to judge the world to see whether or not people have been naughty or nice. Maybe you think of God as some sort of reincarnationary force to see whether you're going to be a grasshopper or something a little bit bigger next time round. Or maybe even God is just some nice vague spiritual feeling that we have inside of us. Or maybe even you think that God's gone a bit AWOL right now. But in fact, the Easter story tells us about a God who knew that as human beings, we couldn't make it on our own, that we were never going to be good enough, that we couldn't match up to any moral standard of a good and a perfect and a holy God. So in fact, instead, God made a way for you and he made a way for me. And what that means is right now, right here in the midst of all the darkness, it means that death, pain, isolation, being locked in my house with my kids for the next 10 years doesn't have to define my life. In fact, the Easter story changes absolutely everything. And I used to have a friend called Mike. Uh, Mike was in my church in the United Kingdom. He was in his 80s. And even though he'd survived one battle with cancer, he developed very aggressive, serious form of leukemia. He was told by doctors that he had just a couple of weeks to live. He was in a ward in a hospital, probably very similar to the wards that we see around the world on TV where coronavirus patients are battling for their lives. He was surrounded by sickness. He was surrounded by pain. He was surrounded by suffering. But yet when I would go and see him, I'd always ask him, hey, Mike, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And partly because he's English, I think, but also for other reasons, he'd always say, Ben, I'm okay. I'm good. And one day I managed to pluck up enough courage to say to him, how do you feel about dying, Mike? And he said, well, Ben, here's the thing. A long time ago, I gave my life to follow Jesus. I gave him my heart. I gave him my best. And so I know that this is not the end of anything. In fact, soon I'm going to be in heaven and it's going to be better than this. Mike's life was a testimony to the hope of Jesus Christ. And his funeral told a story of a God who rescues and saves and who provides an eternal future without pain and suffering for all those who put their hope and trust in Jesus Jesus so famously says in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. So the Easter story gives us hope for eternity. The second thing is that the Easter story also gives us hope for life, new life right here on earth. The resurrection story isn't actually pie in the sky when you die. It's a journey that begins right here on earth. You know, when I was a kid, when I was William's age, I hated church. I thought it was so boring. I thought it was basically about rules, regulation, and coloring in. A little bit later on, I discovered that it also was about getting a ticket to heaven, as I've just discovered. But even that seemed like a bit of a waste of time because I thought I could do some really fun, naughty things with my life and come back and sort myself out with God before I died. But then I came to find out slowly, surely, over time, that what God offers us in Jesus Christ is so much better than something that's going to happen one day. Actually, what Jesus offers us now, as he says in John 10.10, is life and life in all its fullness. The grace adventure, God's riches at Christ's expense, start now. 
Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And even though so often my life doesn't match up to God's standards, incredibly through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm invited into a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. And he has things to say. He has things to do with me. He has places for me to go. He has a purpose, meaning, plan for my life, which has changed everything in my story. You know, in the account that Jonathan read for us, Mary, John, Peter, those first disciples encountered Jesus and they were absolutely never the same again in wonderful ways. They found purpose, they founded meaning, they found a life full of adventure. They went on to start churches, ministries, they impacted whole nations with the wonderful good news of Jesus. They saw miracles and healing. They saw the power and presence of God in their life. And it's an incredible thing when we get to experience the God of the creator, the God who's creator of the universe, be involved, living in us and through us as a force for good in the world. You know, right now we're having to come to terms with losing so many things, aren't we? Uh, maybe we've lost jobs, careers, physical relationships, uh, money, the balance on our 401ks, uh, travel, or even just the ability to be free and to choose where we want to go and when we want to go there. It's been quite daunting and quite a scary time, hasn't it? The last time I remember having a similar situation was in 2008. At that point, I was running a couple of businesses. I was quite successful as a businessman. I'd married the beautiful uh, woman of my dreams, who was sitting here a minute ago. Everything on paper looked exactly like it was supposed to look. Life was as they told me it was supposed to be. But as 2008 hit, uh, thank you for your subprime borrowing. Uh, America, we appreciated that around the world. That's a joke. As that hit, suddenly my business, like so many businesses globally, went from profitable to being in trouble. That all the things that I'd built my life on, all the things that were supposed to work, all the things that were supposed to be really important and hold me firm fell away. And my livelihood, the livelihood of all the staff that I employ, suddenly became under threat. I realized that the things that I based my life on were like sand, that they weren't firm at all. And I started to struggle with anxiety really seriously. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat, couldn't really do anything properly. But over time, God healed both the businesses, which came to do very well again, but also he started to heal my heart and made me realize that when we base our lives on things that are sand, they just aren't good for very much. But instead, we're invited to base our lives on Jesus's resurrection, on his adventure for our lives. And you know, these last 10 years or so, uh, Laura and I have been places we never thought we'd go. We've seen things we never thought we'd seen. We've seen miracles, we've seen healing, we've seen people's lives transformed. It's not always been easy. I'm certainly uh, not as wealthy as I once was, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because the resurrection life of Jesus Christ is incredible. It's life transforming. And I'm convinced there's absolutely no better way for them, for us to live. I have a purpose and it's to fulfill the very calling that Jesus asked me to make disciples of all nations, to proclaim the good news of Jesus in the world, to show God's love to all those around me, even though I mess it up quite a lot of the time. And then finally, this, the good news of the resurrection gives us a way to make sense of the world. Because you might be saying, well, Ben, that's all very well, but have you actually looked outside? Have you actually watched the news? It doesn't exactly look like a resurrection life right now. In fact, it looks pretty hard. It looks pretty difficult. We're all suffering a lot. Maybe even you're a little bit angry with a God who could allow the coronavirus into the world and who doesn't seem to be doing anything to stop it in a hurry. Now, don't get me wrong. Suffering is probably the hardest and most complicated question that as Christians we have to face. But somebody described it to me like this once, which has always helped me as I've understood the difficulties that we sometimes face. And that's this. D-Day marked the definitive battle in the war in Europe around 80 years ago. 
On June the 6th, 1944, Allied forces, go America and Britain, defeated Hitler. And from that moment on, Hitler was in retreat. The outcome of war was certain. There was no chance of Hitler winning from that point onwards. But it was nearly May the, it was May the 8th, 1945, when VE Day marked the formal end of war in Europe. And in the intervening period, all sorts of things happened. There was moments of celebration, joy, parties going on in the streets, but there was also death and suffering. There were pockets and skirmishes of war that continued through that period. And to be truthful, I think we live in much the same time as the end of that period of war in Europe. You see, the battle that Jesus won on the cross means that death is defeated. There will only be one outcome from this battle. In fact, we even know what the end of the story is going to be because we can read about it in Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. But in the intermediate time, we still have to deal with times when it is dark. We have to deal with an enemy who defeated still continues to wreak havoc in the world. But the world isn't exactly as God intended it to be. He is redeeming it, but he hasn't finished redeeming it yet. That one day he will return to finish what he started. And in the meantime, he's left us, the church, to be his hands and his feet on earth. We are to be agents of the kingdom. We pray for, we work for God's kingdom to come on earth as it already is in heaven. And that's an incredible privilege, but it's a challenge. I want to finish by just telling you about somebody uh, I had in my life who lived the Easter story better than anyone that I've ever met before. And that was my grandfather. My grandfather fought in D-Day in northern France and in parts uh, of Italy before that. But he did it from the vantage point of somebody who knew and loved Jesus, who had ultimate hope in eternal life. After the war finished, he married his childhood sweetheart and they set about setting up a life which was all about living the resurrection story, the Easter story where they lived. They set up the first school in the United Kingdom which allowed disabled children and able-bodied children to be educated together. And they went on, my grandfather was one of the first Christian radio broadcasters in the United Kingdom. And then uh, even after that in his spare time, he was an engineering professor at a university in the United Kingdom. Uh, He was absolutely fearless about telling everybody about the war and everybody about Jesus. So much so that one day a young Chinese student came to see him in the university. He said, Professor Wyatt, um, thank you for teaching me on the course, um, but I really am not very happy being on an engineering course. Could I switch off your course onto another course? My grandfather, being my grandfather, said, well, son, I could let you do that. But actually, I think the reason that you're not happy is nothing to do with engineering. It's actually because you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And he gave the boy a Bible and sent him off on his way. Lots and lots of years later, when my grandfather came to visit us, actually in Hong Kong, where we were living at that point, we were at church one Sunday morning, and a very senior uh, Chinese businessman came bounding up to us in, after the end of the service and said, excuse me, excuse me, are you Professor Wyatt? And he said, well, yeah, I, I, I was Professor Wyatt in my working life. He said, you won't remember me, but uh, you gave me a Bible one day in your office. And I went home and I read it with my girlfriend and it totally transformed my life as I read about Jesus's death and resurrection, that I gave my life to become a Christian. In fact, what I did is I told all my friends who are living with me at university as well. And now there's a whole group of us and our families living here in Hong Kong who have become Christians, who have discovered the incredible news of Jesus through that one act that you did to give me a Bible that day. Could we throw your party? 
whilst you're here in Hong Kong. And I remember being at that party as a teenager of all these very senior, very influential Chinese business people who had all found hope through that one act of my grandfather. But you know what? My grandfather also knew what it meant to go through tough times as well as good times. Um, in later life, my grandmother developed a very serious form of Alzheimer's called Lewy body disease. Her body, her mind, her emotions all totally wasted away. She had to be put into a very secure care home. It was an extremely sad situation. But every day my grandfather would go, he would feed her, he would care for her, he would love her, he would minister and pray for her. But eventually, after a number of years, uh, she she wasted away and died. Uh, my grandfather carried on and lived a remarkable life for somebody in the 80s, continuing to tell absolutely everybody and anyone about Jesus, about music, about the war. But one day he uh, was gardening and he bumped his head. And in that night, as he was asleep, he died in his sleep. But the next morning, uh, when the family found him, they found his Bible notes, which were open next to the bed where he was sleeping. They were open on the last words that he'd ever read on earth before he'd fallen asleep that previous night. And they said this, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now come and share in your master's happiness. You know, my grandfather knew all the highs and he knew the lows of life. He knew that the world is not as it was intended to be yet, but he also knew what it meant to be a person of the Easter story, the resurrection story. He knew that the Easter story changed everything. And so I wonder for you today, maybe you have already given your life to follow Jesus. Maybe you would already count yourself to be a Christian, but maybe today is also a good moment to recommit your life. Maybe for the first time ever, you want to give your life to the one who actually makes an incredible difference, who gives you hope for today, hope in the coronavirus, and also concrete and real hope for eternal life. You see, the Easter story changes everything about everything, about everything. And there's nothing you or I can do that is better than giving our lives to live into that reality. Will you pray with me?